Amen. Praise the Lord for that. I think about all the things that I think about, and oftentimes it's not what was just sung. You all know what I'm talking about? Uh, Oftentimes, stinking thinking gets into our brains, and it causes us to have the wrong thoughts, and may God help us with the right thoughts. We're going to be getting back to spiritual warfare on Wednesday nights at uh, 7 o'clock, and I encourage you to be a part of it. We've been talking about the helmet of salvation, which is uh, such an important aspect of our thinking process. And uh, truly, to think about God's grace and God's mercy, that's better than thinking about e-web bills and mortgages and stuff like that, amen? doesn't make e-web bills go away. You know, the power of positive thinking doesn't change reality. But may we have praising thinking. God wants us to be rejoicing and praising Him and to, to uh, uh, just uh, to have the right attitude about life. Well, speaking of attitudes, let's turn to Matthew chapter uh, 5. We're going to get into blessed are the meek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm supposed to be meek. Right? You know, I'm sure that most of you have at least heard the terminology, the Beatitudes, for most of your life. Even when I was lost, I'd heard of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, most people know about the Sermon on the Mount. They consider it the greatest uh, speech or message that has ever been proclaimed in the world. Even lost people would consider that in secular uh, world because there's so many, so many truths there. That even a lost person would say, boy, these are great attitudes. This is, this is great stuff. You know, however, most of the world does not follow that. And sometimes even Christians don't follow the attitudes that are listed here very well. We've been talking about being poor in spirit. And that is uh, the beginning of these Beatitudes and that, that idea of not being self-reliant, but understanding pouring out ourselves and letting God fill us with whatever He has in store for us. Not being self-reliant. And then we talked about blessed are those that mourn. And that maybe is kind of hard to swallow sometimes. Happy are you when you cry or weep. And uh, as we got into our Sunday school this morning, uh, one aspect of Brother Turner's Sunday school was, was talking about uh, sin and why sometimes we do not confess sins as we ought to confess sins. And really, the, the freedom that comes into our soul by confessing and acknowledging our transgressions before the Lord. A lot of people never find the freedom from their own sins and their freedom of their conscience because they deal with it in such a casual way. We're in such a casual society that most everything is taken very nonchalant in its capacities. But yet, I'm going to tell you something. When it comes before standing before a holy God, we need to acknowledge our transgressions. Even as Paul said, we read last time, I abhor myself when I consider who I am. And you know, there's nothing wrong with coming to an altar and falling on our faces and weeping over our sins. We've offended a holy God. And I'm telling you what, there's blessedness there. There's happiness there. There's great joy in that. Especially when you come to salvation. 
Amen to that? You know, the world's afraid to admit their wrongs because they're, they're afraid that they're going to be accountable. Let me tell you something. You're accountable until you admit the wrong. <laughs> and then God forgives. And as I've said time and time again, and we always want to make it very clear, these Beatitudes and this Sermon on the Mount is not about getting into heaven. This is about the life that God is ushering in and the attitudes and the, the conduct towards other people and things like that. And, and there's no amount of attitude, there's no amount of, of conduct towards others that will get you into heaven. But these ought to be the conducts of our lives. As a born-again believer, we need to, to understand these things and to bring them into our lives. And, and, uh, and, and as we talk about meekness this morning, uh, how many have heard that word meek before? Alright? What does it mean? What does it mean to us? Blessed are the meek. It's used. Yeah, how many times do you think this word is used in the Bible? Twenty-nine times. That's not very many times, is it? About half in the Old Testament, half in the New Testament. We're going to look at this. Uh, and, and I want to start with this because to, to attend like, you know, we come to church often. We say, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be meek. And, and oh, yeah, that was, that was good. That was interesting and all. But listen, my friends, if we're not brought unto the understanding of the values of the God's Word and how it can work in our lives, then we'll go out the same way we came in. And we'll continue to hear that word meek, but not understand its value to us. What does it mean and how do we get it? Or how do we use it? Maybe that'd be a better way to say it. Would you not agree? It's not something that you can manufacture in your life. It's an internal quality given to you as a born-again believer that manifests itself through the fruit of the Spirit. Father, I pray that you help us now this morning. And Lord, as we go through this, there's a lot of material here. Lord, help us to, to comprehend what it is that you'd have for us today. Lord, I, I, I know in, in all these attitudes, as you're listening there, if, 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 we, if we were a piece of cake uh, opportunity to, to receive these things, then Lord, we, they wouldn't be listed quite the way they are. And so I pray that, Lord, as, as, as we come and we listen to the, to the words of our Lord upon the mountain and talking about blessings there of, of being meek in order to help us to understand uh, what its value is and what does it look like and how do we, how do we man, uh, manifest this in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll just take over the ears and, and uh, as we've, we've, uh, uh, we've heard some beautiful songs this morning and my heart has been uplifted by the music and, and even the thinking of, of uh, pondering who God is and who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, now help us to put in our efforts this morning to listen intently and let the Spirit do its work and the Word of God as a sharp sword to work in our souls. And I thank you for the attitudes here in this church and the sweetness of the Spirit and all the joy and the blessings. That we as a work in progress are able to continue to strive together and work on and, and, and just now uh, help us in our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, what is the value? What is the value to you? <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I always like uh, the, the insight of what, how does this value me? All right, now that's kind of self-centered. But there's a lot of scriptures in there that talk about the value. However, sometimes we don't realize the value to ourselves and therefore don't value it. 
But when you value and see the value that it brings to you, then you can value it. And whatever you value, you will take better care of, right? Okay, so let's look at these. There's a lot of verses here in the verses that are used. Psalm 22, 26. The meek, and, and, and by the way, I should probably read our reference here in Matthew chapter 5, where it uh, says in verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And some of you are saying, I don't think I really want the earth. Right? Right? I mean, it's been cursed by sins. I don't want to pull weeds for the rest of my life. Well, guess what? There's, there's a couple aspects here. One is we understand that in eternity there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, right? And it's going to be restored to pristine quality that it was created in. Praise God for that. Secondly, in the inherit the earth is there are things here that is intrinsic, not externally, but internally. And so we need to see that. There, there is a lot more to the value than uh, what you're going to see out there. It's what's going to come in, in your soul. And I hope that you'll see that in these verses. The meek shall eat and be what? So when it talks about inheriting the earth, it's talking about actually a good aspect of things. Yes, in eternity uh, coming, but also that you can enjoy even your present state. You can be eating and be satisfied. Amen to that. Sometimes we wolf our food down. We don't even know what we've eaten. (laughs) Uh, They shall praise the Lord and seek Him. Your heart shall live forever. I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing like having satisfaction in Your soul. Hebrews tells us, be content with what you have. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I don't know about you, but that's wonderful. Then in Psalm 25, 9, it says, The meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek will he teach his ways. Now you ponder that. I haven't gotten into the definition of meek. But you ponder that. The person that is arrogant and proud and wanting to be self-reliant isn't listening to the instructions. Ever had a teenager or a youngster that kind of knows how life ought to be and so they head in their own direction? And we say, oh man, if they would just listen, they wouldn't run into those walls. How many of you were teenagers at one time? How many of you ran into walls at one time? How many of you are still running into walls? (laughs) It's not that they moved the wall. The meek will he teach his ways to have a teachable spirit. You're not going to tell me what to do. You know that's a bad attitude, isn't it? May God be at the center of our instructions. Psalm 147, verse 6. The Lord lifts up the meek. I think of this as God 
extending his hand down there and the meek saying, oh, the poor. It's like, oh, God, I need you. And you grab hold and he lifts you out of the miry clay. Amen. Set your feet on a rock. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Now, these verses ought to give us enough value already, but there's a few more. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Better than Mary Kay or Avon. And when he says here, he'll beautify the meek with salvation. You know, oftentimes, when, and, and this is what gets confusing to people. When they see that word salvation, they think of eternal life, getting into heaven. That's not always what the word salvation means. To be saved means to be rescued. Yes! When you took hold of God's hand or you took Jesus Christ in your heart, you were rescued. You were saved. You were delivered from hell. You were delivered from the power and the penalty of sin. But here, what he's talking about is this, he'll beautify the meek with deliverance, being rescued. If you're running into a wall and you're trying to run into that wall and you're trying to do it your own way, God will just keep letting us run into walls. Have you ever figured that out? I like to be rescued. He says, hey, there's a door there that you can go through. Some people run into walls so much they've lost. Uh, I was going to say they lost their face, but, you know, you, they've lost the beauty of of progress in their lives. Isaiah 29:19 The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. True or false? True. True. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the holy one of Israel. So there's something in this meekness that is bringing something into your soul and my soul that is so rich. You want it? True, God's word it is. Then 1 Peter 3, 4, going into the New Testament. Let it be the hidden man of the heart in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. You remember this passage here? This is a great passage for women, um, wives who are married to lost husbands. Married to lost husbands. He says in here, uh, and Peter's given this instruction to the woman that you're not going to win your husband by your ranting and raving or your cosmetics or your clothes or anything else. Your husband can see that there's something different in your life by the meek and quiet spirit. So the benefit there uh, to uh, not only you, uh, but also to others. 1 Corinthians 6, 7. And I bring this out here because when we get into the definition of meekness, you're going to understand this better. But uh, now, therefore, there is utterly a fault amongst you because you go to law one to another why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? You know, a meek person will allow himself to be defrauded or allow himself to suffer those wrongs and go through it with a better spirit. 
Now, I'm going to say more about that, but I just put it in here because all of us will suffer wrong at times in our lives, won't we? And having that meek spirit will allow you to go through a world that is unjust and accepting God's hands in your lives. So what is the value, not only to you, but what is the value to others? Not only the value to others, as I've already said, to your husbands, they can see this in your life. And, and listen, folks, as I understand the value of joy and the internal uh, qualities, I'm not talking about uh, uh, things that are external. I'm talking about the internal intrinsic qualities that meekness brings. But then there's a value to others in that they might see Christ in your life. Is that important? Absolutely. So very, very important. Our testimony. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love or within the spirit of meekness? Now, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians. And because they were, they were kind of a, a rowdy bunch there and going away from the Lord. Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such in one in the spirit of what? Meekness. Considering thyself, lest also thou be tempted. So when you're going to help other brothers and all going in this spirit of meekness, you can help a brother. And how important it is for us to be a good testament. How important it is for us to help others. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4 verse 2 it says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. You know the reason why there are so many church splits? is because people haven't caught on to the spirit of meekness. Willing to suffer wrong. Colossians 3.12 Put on therefore an elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. God says this needs to be the attire of our lives and that attire will show to other people. James 3.13 Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or behavior his works with meekness of what? Wisdom. You ever run into someone who's pretty smart? And they let you know it? Are you catching on? See, this man here is, he has a good conversation. He has a good walk. And, and, and even the person that's going to someone else to help that brother and all isn't coming with a haughty spirit. He's coming with a meek spirit. All right, so these words here. And then 1 Timothy 6.11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. And when 1 Timothy is about there, it's talking about riches and, and the pursuit of selfishness, the love of money. That's all in that passage there. You all know that. Sometimes when I give these verses, it's, it catches us what's the context of this. So when he says flee these things, he's talking about the love of money, the pursuits of selfishness. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So as the Lord brings this concept into uh, His Sermon on the Mount, you see it throughout the Scriptures. And is this a suggestion or a command? These are commands. In meekness instruct those who oppose themselves. 
if God peradventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth. You know, most people don't realize what's going on in their lives. And if you come with the wrong spirit, sometimes they will bristle and they won't get it because all of a sudden their pride has entered in. Does that make sense? So if you really want to help someone, you go with that heart of love and encouragement, not a haughty spirit or a holier-than-thou spirit. You go understanding that if it wasn't but for the grace of God, we would all be in hell. All right, so you catch this idea of meekness. So as we understand these benefits, we also see some of the definitions. We also get this understanding of it, all right? And then 1 Peter 3, uh, verse 15 uh, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Uh, and I'm going to come back to this verse. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Guess what? Why do you think someone's asking you for the hope that's in you? Huh? They see it. There's something different about you. May God help us to see this. All right. So what does it look like? Well, in the uh, world, uh, it is contrary to the world's attitude. Contrary to Hollywood. Contrary to this mindset of success and flaunting our materialism. It's, uh, it looks completely uh, different than what we see in this world. And that's probably why we have sometimes difficulty with it because we are so caught up in the attitude of the world. It is the opposite of anger. It is the opposite of malice. It is the opposite of vengeance. It is the opposite of resistance. It is not self-assertive. It is not self-interest. It's not looking out for number one. It is not uh, easily irritated. Uh Uh-oh. You see, I was doing pretty good until that one. You know, I can find out when I'm not walking in the Spirit when I am easily irritated. And a lot of times in marital counseling, a lot of the struggles comes in because both parties are not meek. And so when one brings up, uh, uh, throws a dart to the other one, the other one feels, I need to put up a, a defense and fire back. That's not the spirit of meekness. And that's oftentimes why we have quarrelings and fightings amongst us. Because we're walking in the flesh. Husbands and wives, can I just say to you this morning, it is such an important attribute in your marriage. Well, you don't know. She just keeps firing at me. God wants you to be meek. God wants the wife to be meek. God wants the man to be meek. This isn't just a quality for the wife. And don't you men go home and say, don't you remember what the preacher said in 1 Peter chapter 3? Hey, I am not preaching at your wife this morning. I'm preaching at you. I'm not preaching at your husband this morning. I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. 
I want this. Yeah, someone said, there you go. I finally get, got to the person that really needs it, huh? Hey, I don't know about you, but I mean, we hear these words. We talk about these words. And, and yet these are commands by God. And I don't want to take it lightly. Railing for rail. Turn to First Peter, if you would. I think that's my... Well, here, here we, we already talked about the fruit of the Spirit, right? This is the fruit of the Spirit. And I can tell what kind of fruit is in my life because of how my attitude is. It's love, joy. In fact, even there, the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about this is an attribute of love, this idea of meekness. If I love somebody, I have this attitude of meekness. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's no way that you can get a formula and develop this in your life. It is actually the outcropping of God's incropping. And allowing God to work through you. It is not natural. It's not being likable or personable or passive or nice dog. It's about the Spirit working through your life. Wow. And the flesh getting out of the way. First Peter, if you got your Bibles turned there this morning, I don't have the uh, passage uh, on the screen, First Peter chapter three. First Peter's in the New Testament someplace in the end. It's always good to turn to some pages in the Bible, isn't it? Now and then. We put it up on the screen to make it easy. But don't ever leave your Bibles at home. You bring them and you check out and make sure the preacher's preaching right. How's that sound? First Peter chapter three, verse eight. I hope I got the right passage here, too. <laughs> Verse 8 says, finally, by the way, this is right after that passage that we talked about, the woman having a meek spirit with her husband. It also talks about how that Sarah obeyed Abraham. It also talks about verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto thy wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now we get to the finally. If that's not enough to chew on, would you not agree? There's a lot there to chew on in First Peter chapter 3. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one out of another. Love as brethren. Be merciful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Well, she started it. Get off the rails. But contrawise. But you all know what contrawise means? Just the opposite. When someone rails at you, what are you supposed to do? Give blessings, 
Knowing that ye are therefore called, that ye should inherit a blessing. In other words, as you give out blessings, God will bless your life. You give out railings, more than likely, railings are going to come back. Knowing that you, therefore, God has called us to inherit the blessings. Verse 10, for he that will love his life, excuse me, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, put away the evil, and do good. Don't be a participant in it. Don't consider yourself getting back at somebody. Don't take vengeance into your own hands. But let him seek peace and ensue it. That word ensue it means you pursue it with a passion. Too many people are pursuing their own vengeance and getting back and having the last word. Someone said, the man always has the last word. Yes, honey. That's it. <laughs> you know what? I'm telling you, this pride and this battling that goes on in our marriages is creating not heaven on earth. Verse 12. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and the ears are open unto their prayers. Is there not a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think? Isn't there a God who's able to take care of us? Isn't there a God in heaven who will do and give us the strength that we need? But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? Now, catch this. Now, this is, this is some aspects here. When you think you've got to take things into your own hands, God says, all right. You want to take it into your own hands? Go ahead. See how it works out for us. And who is he that will harm you and follow? Uh, uh, if he, but he, ye be followers of that which is good. But, and if ye suffer for righteous sake, happy are you. He's saying here that you can have a happiness, a blessedness in your soul. Blessed are the meek. It follows that same principle. And be not afraid of their terrors. Neither be, uh, be troubled. But sanctify the Lord's. Be set apart in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you, what's the hope that lies within you? In other words, this man just cursed you out. This man just threw mud all over you. And there's something different in your responses. Verse 16, having a good conscience that wherewith they speak evil of you as an evildoer, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God so be that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Sometimes we think we've just got to stand up and defend ourselves. Y'all understand that that's human nature, isn't it? It's just human nature. But notice what it says here in verse 18. In our prime example. And you know when Jesus Christ went to the cross, how many accusations did, he bring, did they bring against him? And the Bible says he opened not his mouth. 
For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. You know, God's bringing in this attitude again, the value not only to yourself and the contentment in your soul, but the value to others that they might see Christ. And how our Lord Jesus Christ suffered all the spitting and all the mockery and all the things that they did. He died for you and I. God's example here needs to be our example. And that's what we'll see in the scriptures. How does this look like? Man, it looks like Christ. Now, Christ didn't stand up for... um, uh, Christ was not weak when it came to sin. Because meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. And you see Him standing up when uh, it's important to stand up against sin, don't we? We see Him standing up against the religious leaders. But you also see that in, in his conduct, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am what? Meek and lowly in what? Heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul. Tell you the daughters of Zion, Behold, the king cometh upon uh, unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, a colt, a foal of an ass, there in Numbers Chapter 12, verse 3, it talks about Moses being a meek man. You all know, remember the story of Moses? He was, it says, now the man Moses was very meek. Above all, the men which were, up, uh, of all the men that were upon the face of the earth. How many know the context of that passage? It's interesting. Verse 1, Miriam and Aaron come and says, we don't. Like who you're marrying, Moses. And they started pointing their fingers. And then it brings up this verse. Where he was a meek man. And then God in verse 4 says, and this is an interesting passage. You ought to study it when you get home. Uh, In verse 4, God says, Moses, you bring Aaron and Miriam here. Moses didn't defend himself. God came in and says, Miriam and Aaron, what makes you think you can point your finger at God's man, at my man? Do you know when God talks, you ought to listen. Amen to that? God talks to my heart, I need to listen. Remember what happened to Miriam? She got leprosy. That's the reference of here that Moses was a meek man. He didn't stand up and defend. Well, Miriam and and Aaron, you you don't have the right to tell me what to do. I'm God's man. No, he didn't say that. He was meek. God says, I'm going to deal with it. Is God capable of dealing with the adversities of our life. <laughs> he sure is. Let's, let's go. Ha, ha. How do I live it? Oh boy. Here we go. How do I live it? Well, how about a boss and an employee? Do you think you could live it there? Should it be lived there? 
How about in our marriage? Should it be lived there? Should it be also in our any relationship that we have? Absolutely. Big brother and little sister. Right, Drew? Or big brother and little brother. Or whatever it might be. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to those that are, are humble. Meekness is an attitude uh, that uh, it needs to be a reliance on God, not a dependence on yourself, even in your successes. And sometimes, it, again, it is our successes that has caused the attitude of not meekness. How do I live it? Well, let's look at this. You need to recognize it. Are you, are you catching enough of these verses to, to t- say, you know what, there's something really here that I need to ponder. I mean, there's some, some stuff to chew on. I hope that you're going to go away with that. You need to recognize, I need to recognize my attitudes and the characteristics, the godly characteristics. We need to recognize and, re, and repent of it and, and asking that God might help us to, to be that kind of person that exemplifies the qualities of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.10 As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. I think of that right there. My attitude, even if, if there, there is nothing wrong with being rich, right? But it's trusting in your riches. Or it's letting your riches affect your attitude. And again, I want to say this. And, I, and if anything that is burdening my heart, Alicia, about this beautiful building that we're building at 1375 Irving, if that beautiful building changes our attitude towards the needy people of our community and our ministry, then woe unto us to ever move into there. Did you hear what I said? I am burdened about it because when when I walk in that building, we we had prayer meeting there Wednesday night, and I walk in, wow. And I see the chandeliers and those high ceilings. Of course, I think about the heat that's up there and how we're going to bring that back down so that we don't lose the energy up there. You know what I mean? That's, That's how I think in there. When you look at yeah, fans, when I think of the coffered ceiling and the stonework and the and the lights and all this, Gary, you slap me. <laughs> if we start walking around, so often successes bring men down. May God help us. Remember years ago I said to uh, uh, Pastor. I said to the Lord after I heard about what brought his successes, says, God, if that's what brings successes, I don't ever want that kind of success. May God help us. Sometimes we get a little cocky in our way. God, don't let us ever get cocky. Y'all understand that? Unrecognize it. You know, sometimes we have harsh words to other folks because we think of them lower than ourselves. No, you have to recognize that God rescued you out of the miry clay. 
Pondering what God has done for you. Realizing that. For whosoever exalts himself shall be abased. And he that humbles himself shall be exalted. The order of this uh, progression here was poor in spirit. Mourning. Meek. Being meek in our spirit. The man who is truly meek is the man who is amazed and continues to stay amazed that God would love him. A man who is meek doesn't think how unkind people treat him. Now, I want you to ponder that. Will you ponder that? Because oftentimes when we think about how unkind people are treating us, it is the fact that we feel like we have been treated unkindly and maybe justifiably. But if my heart is in a meek spirit, you know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, who the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He wasn't considering how they despised him. He was considering you and I in our need of salvation. Will you ponder that? Well, he hurt me. Those kinds of thought drag you in the wrong thinking process. Glenda, thank you for singing your song this morning because that is a song that we ought to be thinking about. God's love, God's grace, God's mercy to me. When we say, man, I don't act like that. Well, maybe you don't. Well, praise God you don't. And that's what you ought to be. You ought to say, Lord, I am thankful that, Lord, you've rescued me. You've helped me and rejoice in the Lord rather than letting bitterness start to come into your life. Recognize how to live it. Realize who you are in Christ. And then, whoops, realize who God is. Amen. I hope you'll take this formula home with you. Not what you're going to do, but you recognize who God is. And there's an end coming to all things in life. And it's not always up to me to figure it out. Remember when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers? He could have for 13 years. Brothers, I'm going to You ever had fits like that? You know, I believe why God honored Joseph because he kept his heart right. And when he met his brothers, he said to them, he says, you know, you guys meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. Remember, uh, it was uh, Matthew Henry, I think it was, riding on his horse, and he hadn't been persecuted in a long time. And, and, he, and the Bible says, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He got down off his horse and he said, Lord, he said, something must be wrong in my life. Nobody's, nobody's saying bad things about me. And so a little kid out there, a teenager, picked up a stone and threw it and hit him with it. And he got back on his horse and said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that, but where's that kid? <laughs> have you ever thought that maybe the things that have come in your way is God just to help you to keep in your meekness? Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, 
I will repay, saith the Lord. God has told us to love other folks. Well, now therefore, remember that verse about taking a brother to, to court for civil matters? Now therefore, there is utterly a fault amongst you because you go to law one to another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? You know, there is a God who's able to make up the difference or he's able to use the lesson that you're going through to better your life. God wants to make us better, not bitter. Amen? Oh, there's another verse up there. Man, these verses just keep coming, don't they? If you suffer, what? Reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. You know, God has a blessing and he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I'm going to tell you something. Being able not to have bitterness in your soul is such a treasure. If any of you have bitterness in your soul this morning, ask God to forgive you of it. So we looked at that. What is the value? Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Man, the value's there. What does it look like? It looks like Jesus Christ. How do I live it? I need to recognize when that's not a part of my life. And then I need to realize who God is and let Him take care of my life. He is my Father who loves me so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for me. Father, I pray that You will um, uh, uh, just take this message now. And, and Lord, I'm sure most of us here have heard that word meekness. We're going to sing when, when we see Christ. But before we sing when we see Christ, right now, did you learn something? You know, that's, that's the value of coming to church. Hopefully, that we learn something. Can I say I learned something? And, 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 and you know what? Just because a preacher gets up here and preaches the truth of God's Word doesn't mean that the preacher has the success of everything he preaches. In fact, as I preach and develop this message, the more and more I realize how short I come. And if this morning God is speaking to your heart, let's do something about it. We haven't just come to be entertained or to hear or to learn. We are wanting to go out and be doers of the Word. Remember what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you will be like the man who plants or builds his house on the rock. If you hear and you do what he says. So let's go out. And it's not something that you say, well, I'm gonna, I've got to eat more Cheerios or I've got to do this. No, meekness is, is, is understanding that this is a quality of your life. And when the flesh raises its ugly head to try to bring bitterness, anger, irritations, or confrontations, that you, sub, uh, you submit yourself to the Spirit and you grow in that Spirit and let that Spirit show throw forth through your life and God will be glorified and others will come to Christ. So Lord, as we come to this invitation time, now we, we realize another attitude. Hey, maybe... There might be some folks here who say, Boy, I hope we get out of these attitudes pretty soon. <laughs> now, Lord, you're here to shape us, mold us, build us. Lord, I pray that in my own heart that you'll help me in this area. Lord, I, I know I struggle with it. And as we give an invitation time now, help us to deal with this according to your blessed plans. And if there's someone here that's not certain of their salvation, Lord, it's not an attitude that gets us to heaven except that we understand that we need to be saved, that attitude that we are lost, and that reality that we need Christ. And so, Lord, help people to come to Christ today as well. And we'll praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.